Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle Podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle Program, and I am your host, Chris Angle. And along with me is my co-host, Rick Samuelson, a, a venture capitalist on the West Coast. And uh, Rick graduated from Yale and from Wharton and uh, joins us today in a discussion of the terrible events in England. Uh, we're going to call it, uh, the concept we're going to discuss is terrorism versus diversity, diversus goodness. And the application will be the uh the terrorism in England this past week. Uh, just to give you a, a preliminary uh, introduction, the Philosophical Angle program uh, analyzes the nature and essence of concepts being used in current media, and the purpose of the show is to add a philo philosophical dimension to topics being discussed in current media. And so, as we discussed, or as we mentioned here, uh, this week's events of terrorism in England. Uh, reminds us of the problem of inviting diversity through immigration into our respective countries. Uh, we have uh, often heard representatives of the left, such as uh, former President Obama, uh, declare that diversity is, is good for America and diversity is who we are, and that, that's, a, that's a direct quote. He often said that. And... Um, and they further state, these politicians, that America was built on immigration. And uh, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, has also declared that this, the same statement, uh, declaring that uh, diversity is necessary for America. Well, <clears throat> is diversity good for America? England or, or any of the other Western countries? So I think we should explore this topic. It's pretty, it's pretty important in light of the uh, the terrorism uh, of England uh, in England this last week. Uh, first of all, um, this declaration by the politicians really states that diversity is equal goodness uh, for, for the respective country. So what does diversity start with? Uh, well, obviously diversity means variation. Uh, well, and, um, and, and what kind of variations are there? When it comes to uh, human beings, uh, there is racial variation and cultural variation. Uh, in, in essence, there is a, a biological variation and there is a, a cultural variation. And, uh, and uh, taking a look at biological variation, we look at the, the human genome. Uh, and there really isn't much variation across uh, the, the human sapien uh, spectrum of, uh, of genetics. Uh, it would seem that the only variation is that the uh, the only variation really is is superficial, uh, which we could see on the exterior of the humans, um, and uh, some and, and therefore there's some uh, racial variation producing some visual and uh, uh, and some visual identification characteristics, uh, and this uh, this variation um, uh, uh, relative to uh, the, basically relative to the various continents in which they evolved. Uh, but overall, it's, it's superficial. And uh, because it is superficial, we can pretty much conclude that diversity is neither good nor bad for America uh, on this level. It's really, it's totally neutral. It, it doesn't matter. You can have it or not have it, no impact. 
But as I mentioned before, there's another aspect of diversity which could be cultural diversity. And so what is, uh, so what is culture, really, uh, first of all? And uh, culture is that which we produce. And there is behavioral culture and there is physical culture. Behavior culture is that which we produce in our behavior, naturally. Uh, that is how we interact with each other in our society. An example of behavior culture would be the words that we employ in our language. Another example would be our, our handshake as opposed to a, a bow uh, in the Eastern world. Uh, basically, is is how we behave when we cooperate with others in our society. And physical culture is, is that uh, which uh, the respective society produces. It's goods and services. Examples of this would be the architecture of buildings or, uh, or any kind of the products that we, that, that we produce, such as uh, our technologically oriented products or any of the basic products and services. Uh, so now we have to discuss and, and understand what is the meaning of good. Uh, and, and we're going to define good as that which brings us up away from misery. All, all life struggles to bring itself up away from misery. So now that we have the definition of good, uh, we have the definition of culture, and now we have the definition of diversity, but let's compare these and see where it takes us. Okay, uh, in, um, in the human biomass, uh, there is almost no uh, diversity genetically, uh, only superficially, as we, as we mentioned, and on the exterior of the organisms. And internally, it's, it's also slight also. Uh, there's a tiny bit of variation on the exterior, perhaps, and um, uh, relative to the total size of the biomass, um, uh, diversity is really almost negligible. So we can conclude that as far as uh, the genetic diversity and the makeup of, bio, of the biomass, it, it's again, it's negligible. So the, uh, the next type of diversity we have to say is, is cultural, and um, and there are two types of cultural influences, as we as uh, the the behavioral and the physical, um, and these uh, and um, and then culture is, is is that which we produce, and these cultures um, are very different from um, from from that of the United States, Western Europe, or Africa, and and elsewhere, and and anthropological an uh, ethnographies. Uh, throughout history have shown that uh, there are some significant variations in behavioral culture um, and any particular cultures um, and we, we could ask ourselves are any particular cultures better uh, one better than the other um, is there not and is there not any particular supreme culture um, I, you know as an aside here uh, in, in our little explanation I, I should explain that Behavioral culture is how a society produces respect of its societal members. Societal human behavior needs respect in order to indicate to other individuals how they how much they consider others when they try to cooperate with each other. Um, and we, we cooperate with each other in order to produce goods and services, uh, which brings us uh, which brings the societal members up away from misery, and which is our, our definition of good. Um, 
So when we're uh, reading world ethnographies, it pretty much shows us that when it comes to intra-societal members and their behavior, cultures are all fairly equal. Um, but please be aware uh, that uh, we're, we're speaking of pure ethnographies, not, not how the political ideologies treat their, uh, their, their subject people. So, uh, so all cultures have behavioral mechanisms whereby respect is generated. However, there is a variation, a significant variation by cultures for the, for the production of respect of individuals for, society, for societies extraterritorially. Uh, that is, a, a society might have one type of respect for intra-societal members and another one extra-territorially. Uh, this difference in, in variation is, is, is quite, quite amazing. It's quite stark, and uh, it, uh, it can be quite different throughout the world. Um, Pre-World War II society of Japan uh, indicates that uh, respect of peoples outside their culture was, was minimum at best. Uh, uh, there's some, uh, their behavior in China was, uh, was extraordinary. Uh, after, and after, but after World War II, the culture of Japan changed uh, so that their respect for, for people extraterritorially uh, became uh, increasingly commensurate to uh, to the uh, to inside their culture, um, and uh, there are other examples. Obviously, there is a, a significant variation in these extraterritorial res uh, uh, respect that they uh, emote uh, by any one nation for the peoples outside of uh, their society. So uh, all we have to do is look at the history of war to uh, to see that 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 variation. So I, I think we conclude that the study of of the ethnographies show that uh, the extraterritorial attitudes of people when it comes to immigration um, should be considered in the diversity of immigration coming into any particular country, whether it's the United States or, or any of those of Western Europe or, or elsewhere, um, uh, throughout the world. Uh, and the United States and many of the European countries are looking to the culture of the Middle East and uh, and deciding whether it should with without hesitation allow immigration or continue with their immigration policies in, in, in the form of the refugees uh, that, that are coming, uh, with, uh, which are almost entirely of the culture of, of Islam. So, uh, in, and in Islam, there is a significant variation of respect inside the societies of Islam as contracted to, uh, contrasted to uh, respect that is directed Outside of its of its domain of of of, uh, of uh, the Middle East, and uh, and this is because of the Quran, uh, as it's it, it, that it uses as its defining scripture. It's specifically the Quran specifically states that one is to be compassionate and understanding and cooperative, but is relative to all those of the Islamic faith. Um, and, and in contrast to that, it states uh, uh, to hold a different view and attitude. Uh, the Quran, it does state that, uh, that those who are outside of Islam, uh, and, and, it, you, and it defines this as those who are uh, unbelievers, uh, are, have a different, uh, you are to behave differently to them. 
And, and there are two types of unbelievers. Uh, those that believe in the Bible uh, that are monotheistic and uh, those that do not believe in the Bible at all. Uh, and these are clearly unbelievers uh, according to the Quran. Uh, they are to be brought forcibly into uh, the word of Allah. Uh, and, but uh, according to the Quran, for Christians and Jews and, and, and Zoroastrians, uh, as um, uh, they call them, uh, the Quran calls them the people of the book, uh, they are to be given the choice of either a subjugation tax, uh, conversion to Islam, or death. And not, not a great set of choices. Um, and the uh, Islamic attitude um, toward those uh, outside uh, uh, of the Quran is quite harsh. And, and thus the blanket immigration or wholesale immigration into the United States would, would definitely be detrimental to the good of those of, uh, of, uh, of cultures that um, of the United States and, and, uh, and of Western Europe as well. Uh, we, and, and we don't have to, to just look at the, at the, in, at the inside of the, of the Quran, but we can look at the history uh, and the ongoing uh, clash between Islam and the West uh, ever since uh, uh, just before Muhammad's death, the conquest of the West has been in the eyes of Islam and, and all of Muhammad's followers right up to today. Uh, the, the, the crusade by Islam from the time of Muhammad until now to conquer the West has been steady and, and numerous. Uh, 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 and, uh, Muhammad, and, and just to give you a brief outline, Muhammad started his uh, first crusade, uh, crusade against the West uh, by he, when he set his eyes on the empire of Byzantium uh, before his death, uh, but it was not it wasn't successful. Um, however, his successors were successful, and they spread by uh, by the force of the sword. Uh, they spread Islam all throughout the Arabian Peninsula, into North Africa, into Spain, and all the way up to the gates of Paris. Uh, where at the Battle of Tours, Charles the Hammer Martel um, stopped these uh, Islamic warriors from conquering uh, Western civilization. And there are other Islamic crusades against the West, and the, the second one that we can, all, we can pretty much classify as having saved uh, Western civilization was in 1684 when Jan the Pole uh, defeated uh, the in, invading uh, Islamic armies at, at, right at the gates, right up at, at the uh, at the outs uh, at the outskirts of Vienna. Uh, this probably probably saved Western Europe. Um, and there's a, a currently a, a present a current uh, crusade against the West by by means of terrorism, and and this terrorism has its foundation in the Quran and in the Hadith of, of Muhammad, uh, both of which state that uh, terror is a, is a good tool uh, of war. Um, <clears throat> also, um, uh, as noted in the documents of the Muslim Brotherhood, another, another crusade is presently in place by the nations of Islam in the exporting of migrants, uh, whether legal or, legal or illegally, uh, to the Western nations. Uh, and this will bring a, a conflicting culture into the presence of the unbelieving Western society. And, and if we take our our notion of that which is good is as that which helps us bring us up away from misery. It would appear, at least to me, uh, 
that the increased presence of, of the adherents of Islam would not be good for any Western society and, and, and Western culture. This kind of diversity in the name of the, uh, of the culture of Islam, uh, which has a history of war, uh, against the West, and uh, it certainly would not be good. And uh, and 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 I think we can look to England in this last week to uh, for a little bit of uh, guidance here. Lastly, um, um, we have to know here in this argument whether uh, the physical culture and whether to import people uh, that have a different cultural from ours uh, would it be would it bring in uh, goodness or not? And well, um, uh, recalling that physical culture is that which we produce, material, materially. Um, these uh, these products are are, are in, in our culture. Uh, anything that we produce brings us up away from misery. Uh, when uh, consumers buy something from a store, they buy it with the attitude that the product will improve their lives. Well, uh, as as societies evolve, uh, they produce more and better and greater things that that become more sophisticated. And as the sophistication of the products improve, the pre, uh, the preponderant ingredient of these products is knowledge. And we can say unequivocally that as a society progresses, the knowledge needed to produce the greater sophistication. Uh, in in the products uh, become greater and greater. Uh, thus, we conclude that that uh, we look extraterritorially uh, for diversity. When, when we do that, we should look for the diversity of greater knowledge, uh, which would accrue to our goodness. So, when we look at immigration to increase our diversity, we should look to those people with greater knowledge. This would bring to our society greater diversity and it would be a great thing. It would bring an increase in the accumulation of knowledge into our society or societies and and would diversify the accumulated knowledge, which is really the ultimate purpose of these of the of the political establishment. So this is one kind of diversification. Uh, so as, as for a, a rational immigration program for America, it would seem to me that the U.S. should look to bring in societies that produce more and more knowledge, as that would be beneficial for the American societies. Cultures such as Japan, China, and Western Europe are, are producing people with, with, with great knowledge of all sorts of academic and uh, industrial pursuits. And uh, this kind of diversity is, is certainly welcome. However, this kind of diversity does not exist in the, in the nations of Islam. And, and, and you want to know, you want to ask yourself, why, why is that? Nations that are preponderantly Islamic do not produce any institutions of higher learning. They do not produce any industrial leaders. They are not leaders in the production of knowledge uh, that, that is needed to, to generate the, 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 the uh, more complicated and goods and services of the world. And, and so why is that? Why do the nations 
of Islam not produce higher knowledge uh, on a steady, ongoing basis as, as, as other societies have done, especially those of, of, uh, of the Far East and, uh, and Western society. Well, the reason why Islam does not produce that much comparative to the production of Western and, uh, and Far Eastern societies is due to competition. Now, I know that's a, a remarkable statement, and uh, you, I can see why I, a viewer might go, what, why would that be? Um, what has competition got to do with the production of knowledge in Islamic societies? Well, competition is the convergence of two or more entities with the same priority, which is to obtain goodness by two or more life entities. And that is when, when two ent life entities see the same priority of goodness compared to the, the, the one entity seeking good, if it's two or more, the goodness tends to be divided uh, uh, by two. So uh, obviously you get less. There's less available. So when one entity entered, centers its attention on one particular priority and another entity comes along to participate in this goodness, this goodness is automatically divided in half. Thus, one of the basic dictums of, of economics is that all of life tries to avoid competition, especially direct competition. That is, the more life converges on the same priority, the more life entity wants to avoid direct uh, competition, and, and therefore it, it automatically tries to diversify. So what, uh, what does this have got to do with uh, Islam? Well, all nations that are predominantly Muslim are run by a non-democratic government and mostly are governed by a theocracy. There are perhaps uh, one or two exceptions to this. Um, but even uh, the, the exceptions are still basically totalitarian. Um, and for, for example, Egypt, uh, which is a military dictatorship, and uh, another is uh, probably Turkey, although Turkey is uh, uh, is losing its democratic uh, institutions uh, and uh, they seem to be de disintegrating. Well, um, so the, the reason why Islamic government does not allow for the production of higher knowledge is that this production of knowledge and information converges on the priorities of, the, of Islam and its Quran, the Hadith, and the Sunnah. Um, and this is, uh, but, you know, and actually Christianity 600 years ago was the same way. Uh, we've all heard the stories of the Catholic Church versus uh, Galileo. Uh, religious doctrine doesn't like competition from philosophy, science, and the arts. Uh, in, in industry and commerce, uh, uh, well, in, in, which in industry and commerce it embodies the, the need for, for a production of knowledge. And um, uh, but luckily, in Western society, the Catholic Church has evolved, albeit over six or seven hundred years. But it has evolved, and it's be become tolerant by separating itself from politics and alleviating itself uh, of the competition to control not only the spiritual aspects of society, but the commercial, secular, and personal aspects of society. Except except by uh, pro proselytizing, which is fine. Which is fine. Um, however, it does not appear, that does not appear in Islam. 
this could be exhibited by looking at their society, which is deficient in advanced learning. It, it doesn't produce any Nobel Prize winners, uh, except maybe in peace, which is a, a faux prize, because uh, no, no peace is, has ever come out of, from Islam. Uh, nobody seeks to go there for their advanced learning, except courses in Arabic study or for Islamic studies. So, in, in conclusion, the Islamic culture cannot produce advanced knowledge because it, it would compete with the Islamic governance and its and all its consuming priorities of, of, of piety and, and study of Allah. Um, uh, it it just exports the ideology of war to those who are not of the Islamic uh, uh, faith. Uh, so, uh, regarding this diversity of uh, which the uh, politicians speak, it, it seems that it's detrimental um, to import um, those of the Islamic culture. Rick, what do you think? Well, I would I would start uh, with the U.S. Constitution in addressing this subject, uh, which is silent on immigration. Uh, the importance of that is that this is entirely uh, the province of um, executive and legislative fiat. Uh, if the American people decide tomorrow there will be no immigration to the United States, done from anywhere. It is within their right. That's point number one. Uh, point number two is that, uh, and this is pretty inconvenient for immigration advocates, uh, over the last 25 years we've had unprecedented levels of immigration. And all that time, the uh, household income levels have largely stagnated. And so the argument that massive immigration somehow enhances the well-being of the existing populace is a it, 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 it's challenged, actually. The evidence is very mixed, and certainly not persuasive. There is no doubt that it benefits the immigrants coming in but that it benefits the taxpayers already living here is open to considerable debate. And in fact, a number of abuses uh, have been documented, including uh, H-1B visas, which bring in uh, IT workers, many from India, to work at places like Microsoft and Google, where it's uh, documented that they're paid less and they can't leave. And that's why they get the jobs over American citizens. Uh, equally, it's also documented at companies like Disney that um, foreigners have been brought in to displace Americans who then lose their jobs. So the, the whole subject of, uh, of immigration, never mind that of the uneducated classes, but even with the educated classes, is one that's fraught. And it does not at the moment, and has not for the last 20, 25 years, uh, inclined to a reading that this has benefit, benefited the existing citizenry. And that's one reason you're seeing such a reaction against it. Um, finally, on the subject of uh, 
Muslim immigration. If the American people, through their representatives, decide that they want any immigration at all, and I stress that it is within their right to cut it off completely, then the executive branch is certainly within its right, along with the legislative branch, to impose whatever strictures and or uh, scrutiny uh, they think is required to ensure that the existing citizenry are, remain as safe as possible. Uh, and if that means that uh, Muslims or uh, representatives of certain countries uh, are subjected to increased scrutiny um, or denied access to um, immigration to the United States entirely, so be it. That is within their right. Do you have any uh, Do you have any advice or suggestions for uh, in regard to the terrorism that we've seen in England this uh, in the last few days? Do you have any advice for what What should the British government do? What should the people of England demand of its uh, government in response to this? If anything, what do you think? Well, in in England and other places in Europe. Uh, there are locations where Sharia law has been adopted, uh, where there's a parallel court system. Um, and this obviously panders to the notion that you're going to have you know, kind of a parallel civilization in your midst. This is absurd. Um, and it's diametrically opposed to the long-standing tradition of common law, uh, where the same laws apply to everybody equally. Uh, and you know, unless you're going to protect that you know, broadly Western standard, and more particularly English slash American slash Commonwealth standard, then it's not surprising that you have people coming to believe and justified in believing that they should act in accordance with Muslim principles in the midst of a, a Western democracy, because in, in a sense, these Western governments in England, including England, uh, have you know put their imprimatur on that notion by allowing this to happen. Okay, but what should going forward be the policy of the English government now? Um, how how should they <clears throat> combat their present predicament of possible violence within their country of of these homemade bombs? Well, I, I think they have to make the consequences um, ever more severe okay. uh, for breaking law and police accordingly, and that that means uh, extra scrutiny on the the mosques. If that means extra scrutiny on the imams, if that you know that are, are um, you know planting the seeds of this kind of activity, mm -hmm. um, so be it. Uh, because the number one priority of, of, of any government has to be to protect its existing citizenry. Exactly, uh, and I think that's really the nub of the of the problem right there. Uh, the governments have not been considering that as their primary. Purpose, and they're they're in uh, for being 
And uh, so with that said, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us on the Philosophical Angle program, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.